Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, February 28th. How can Canada address the shortcomings of our military and defence spending and what role should we play on the global stage when it comes to defence? We discuss with Richard Shamuka, Senior Fellow at the McDonald laurier Institute. Next, athletes from across the nation have arrived in Calgary for the 2024 Special Olympics Canada Winter Games. We catch up with Athlete Ambassador Team Captain Darby Taylor and Olympian and Co-Chair of the Games Cheryl Bernard for details on all the action taking place over the coming days. And finally, the makers of popular dating apps like Tinder and Hinge are being sued over claims that the apps are skewed to drive revenue and could cause addiction for users. We tackle the topic with Yona Budd, therapist, performance coach, and host of At Your Best, which airs right here on QR Calgary. Is Canada's defense spending stuck in the Cold War era, and what needs to be done to ensure we are maintaining a modern military? Joining us to discuss is Richard Shamuka, Senior Fellow at the McDonald laurier Institute, where he researches defense and procurement policy. Hello, Richard. Hello. Can you explain the main challenges Canada faces in defense procurement? What, what are these challenges? It's everywhere. Uh, <laughs> everywhere you look, you can definitely see uh, the issues. Uh, certainly the big three are uh, everything generally comes over the cost that it really should. Uh, everything is delayed. And in a lot of cases, what we get is not exactly what we need in terms of performance or sort of the, it's, a, it's lethality, it's capability. So those are, I mean, there's much else, but anytime you look at a procurement in Canada for defense, uh, these issues come to the fore. I mean, so is it fair, Richard, to just say that obviously defense spending is, is not the priority of this government and hasn't been for quite a few governments even before it? Um, I would say the second half of the Stephen Harper uh, era, certainly uh, defense had a much lower priority. He came in with a lot of sort of good intentions. Uh, then you had the war in Afghanistan, which took a very large portion of the budget. Uh, if you think of a defense budget, it's actually three parts. There's the personnel you have to pay for. You have to pay for the equipment. We call that capital, and that's procurement. And three is the operations, right? And because we went to Afghanistan, you know, faraway country where we had to sustain major combat operations, a lot of the Harper-era budget really was focused on the operations and man- or operations and maintenance. Right. And to some degree, procurements that should have happened during his era kind of got pushed back or reprioritized for ones that were more important for Afghanistan. But by the second part of his, his sort of term or his, his time, it, it certainly went down with the withdrawal from Afghanistan and, and sort of uh, efforts to uh, push austerity. Uh, with this government, certainly they put out a white paper about two years into their into their term saying that they would prioritize defense and, and start spending heavily. But those years for the spending should have happened about last year or this year. And some of it has happened, but it's kind of been delayed and it's not gone well. And there's other issues involved uh, as, as well. Richard, you, you, you talk about, you know, these conversations. We, we went back to the Harper government, for example. But I'm, I'm wondering the appetite for procurement when it comes to defense or just the interest in defense. Is this a disconnect between what the government is interested in and, of course, keeping our NATO partners and NATO allies happy as well on the international stage? Uh, but is there a disconnect on how important this is for the government and the Canadian people? Uh, what, 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 are, what do you hear and what do you see from Canadian people and their appetite to you know, uh, spruce up uh, procurement spending for defence? If you look at various polls, I think there's a pretty broad-based view that Canada does need to do more. It is along some partisan lines, but I think if you look at the sort of core voters, defense is 
is seen as something that does need money uh, and it needs, you know, significant money to sort of uh, repair its state and, and sort of our profile among our allies. So uh, I think that there is political sort of basis for which I think it also goes to many, many sort of voters view of the government's legitimacy. Right. Is, is Are you doing the basic things well? Right. Are you protecting our country? And it's pretty resounding. No, although there's not really, you know, per se, a direct threat that a lot of Canadians see. I think that the, the constant drumbeat of our allies coming and saying, look, you need to actually do something or do more has kind of gone to Canadian uh, voters heads. And I think also the, the constant stories about you know, the state of the forces, how things are old and then decrepit and needs replacement. I think that is, that comes comes to fore as well. So I think there is a, a base for it. I think the Liberal government itself has fairly not been interested in it. And and while they've done a lot of things to sort of say, oh, yeah, we're doing stuff, and they made plans to do so, the execution of it hasn't gone well thus far, although that might change in the coming years. Uh, so, Richard, I mean, overall, what do you think are, are the next steps for Canada in order to modernize the defence procurement process? I mean, we've got decades-old fighter planes, for example. What do we need to do to make sure that Canada and it, our national security is ready uh, the process needs to change. Uh, the process is, is uh, of recent, a recent article said it's from the 1980s. Uh, if you look at all of our allies, they've really changed what they're, how they approach it, where they really remove as much process as possible and let managers be managers. And you give them all the tools that they need in order to sort of make decisions, uh, have the trade-offs without having to go through multiple sort of committee meetings and, and whatnot. And there's a lot of different issues. I think also there should be more accountability. I, I think if you look at how parliament, parliamentary committees are treated, it's, it's really not a, not a great situation. One of the real big problems right now is that all the Canadian Forces equipment is so old that it actually is increasing defence budget because everything requires a large amount of maintenance. And that is really problematic. Is that So if you're running an aircraft that's 40, 50 years old, the maintenance that's required on it is immense. And that's really causing the uh, Canadian Forces real problems. So uh, this process needs to change quickly. And I haven't talked about the threat environment. You know, mm. you're not going to yeah. be a really credible force if you're four years old as well. But but interesting, I want to play devil's advocate here, Richard. I mean, we are Canadians. We are peacekeepers. We are friends to the world, and we do our part when it comes to, uh, you know, the United Nations, of, you know, as far as providing personnel and expertise and negotiations. Uh, should we not look at us as Canada, as peacekeepers, and try not to be something we're not? We don't have the billions of dollars, perhaps, to spruce things up or the appetite. Uh, we don't have that much of a threat. We've got our big brother just to the south in the USA. So could there be an argument made for that? I think that's a view that's prevalent among some with the Canadian pol- uh, political sort of class. And I think a lot of people within certainly the Liberal Party sort of try to make that viewpoint but it's easy in other places the reality is that if you look at our international commitments look at how heavily we are invested in 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 the war in ukraine and nato how we are literally a hand-in-hand partner in continental security with the united states if you look at the indo-pacific strategy where we are doing undertaking uh freedom navigation operations within the taiwan straits and south china sea we are basically not we are not seen as some sort of middle ground party we are seen as part of the basically if you want to call it the democratic alliance of, of western nations or nato or european we are we are entrenched in that view and and trying to say that we're somehow playing otherwise or we can't play a role i'm not saying that un cannot play a role but certainly we are uh, everything that we canadian sort of foreign policy 
really is about the where we put our investments, where we put our sort of what we say about you know democratic norms and all that is really what is really part of the United States and and Europe and and you know countries like Japan sort of efforts internationally and and we are not some sort of middle player in, in that view and especially given how little we spend on defense we can't even be that i mean that's just trying to put solve on a situation that is that that we aren't that we aren't there we're, we're not really some sort of seen as a middle player that can play some middle role in that way thanks for your time this morning richard fascinating conversation appreciate you my pleasure thank you richard Chmuka, senior fellow at the mcdonald laurier institute Special Olympics are underway in Calgary. 800 athletes will compete in eight sports around the city right through till March 2nd. Joining us here in studio with all the details are Darby Taylor, Athlete Ambassador Team Captain at Special Olympics Canada Winter Games Calgary 2024, and Cheryl Bernard, Co-Chair, Special Olympics Canada Winter Games Calgary 2024. Good morning to you both, and thanks so much for coming into the studio. Good morning. Good morning. Appreciate it. Darby, we're going to start with you because you're the man of the hour. Okay. What did it mean to you to be named the athlete ambassador i was very happy when i got the uh phone call i was traveling at the time in the uh states and i found out in california that i got it it was pretty much right away they said okay you've done your interview it it, it may take us a bit but but it really didn't take them long to say we need Darby. We, we need Darby. Yes, That's, I, I, we need, I, everybody needs Darby. I was the, the first one chosen. Oh, fantastic. As yeah. you should be, sir. Thank you. It was fun. Got the hardware to prove it. Got yep. the medals around his neck. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, of course, co-chair from the Special Olympics Canada Winter Games, Calgary 2024, Cheryl Bernard. Uh, Cheryl, for those folks who may have been under a rock, we're in it now right through <laughs> until Saturday. Uh, tell us just what kind of a big deal this is for the Calgarians who might not know much about this event. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's massive. These are big games here. These athletes work for years to get prepared for these games. And you could just see it last night at the opening ceremonies or at the airport when we greeted them on Sunday that... The excitement and the thrill and it takes me back to olympics where you know you get to go to that opening ceremony and you realize i'm an olympic athlete like i'm gonna get mm -hmm. to say that for the rest of my life and i get to perform soon so for us it, the mission for us was to put on the best games ever for these athletes and we reminded ourselves of that continually through the last 18 months and and i think we've done it it's been a big job getting to this point but we're here and i think everybody's excited it's just such a big boon for the city to have these games happening here darby uh, cheryl laughed about it earlier and said we always hear you coming because you're wearing you you have medals <laughs> from past olympics but tell us a little bit about what you're competing in for these games and, and what it's like as an athlete to hear people cheering you on i'm not unfortunately i'm not competing oh you're not okay my bad i thought you were this okay. time because they for nationals they do like a uh, draw system okay. for floor hockey and, and they're only sending two teams okay gotcha and there are no calgary teams in floor hockey but you know what it's like to yes, hear the roar of the cheer i do right? i love so what, it i love what, it what's that like for, for you and the other athletes that'll be competing in these games it's it's amazing because it makes us feel confident happy and that all of their training has come come to fruition and for some of these athletes are going to, to worlds in italy so yeah it's a big deal isn't it, it? it's a big deal because it makes them 
them very happy, mm-hmm. and it's a huge deal to represent our country on the Special Olympics world stage. It, that, that's yeah. my goal someday. Good for you. And the Special Olympians, yeah, this is such a huge part of their journey, something they've been working on and competing in. And uh, Cheryl, by the numbers here, I've got, and you can correct me, I've got 800 athletes, but in general, we talk about 4,000, I think. So that's what families, volunteers, the people that it takes to bring this together. Calgary coming through once again. Well, we talked about it, you know, the other day of what it takes to compete here. And it's family and it's friends and it's your chef de missions for each of the teams and they they bring a big group and all through the year you need that support in order to be able to to attend these games and just the games themselves the volunteers across calgary i mean i'm born and raised here and i am always continually amazed at the volunteers that step up and i think we're close to 1400 volunteers stepped up to be part of this wow, so amazing. it's i mean and and then the economic impact for the city for these games there's just so many positives and, and I think it's, it's a games that everybody wants to support and be part of. There's no political issues. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's the pure joy of sport, and it's amazing to see. Darby, to, you know, for you to have been chosen to be the athlete ambassador, there's a lot that kind of got you to that place. And I, I wanted to just for, sort of b- uh, backtrack a little bit. And for you to tell us, um, you had a dream of working downtown like your dad. So tell us a little bit about that yes. and sort of, you know, what got you to this place where, where people know exactly who Darby Taylor is. I got to this place by, like, volu- volunteering a lot, and it took me me over seven years to find a part-time job at Little E. And when that came to fruition working downtown, it made me super happy. And I also love working at the Saddle Dome as well. It, and it's given me even more, more confidence. And it makes me happy working. And I and at the Saddle Dome, I first start, started out as, as concession support. And then I moved up to working cash in a stand. And it just makes me so happy. And it's Popcorn 201. That's why I work. <laughs> I love it. Drop by and say hi to Yeah, Darby. absolutely. Yeah. There's, a, there's a plug for you right there. Yes. Back to the games. And I'll tell you what, you've got five-pin bowling, alpine skiing, cross-country skiing, curling, figure skating, floor hockey, snowshoeing, speed skating. Cheryl, I'll put this one to you because so many different events and, and across the city. If I don't have a connection to a special Olympian, can I, as an average Calgarian, go in and watch and support? How does that work? Absolutely. I mean, some of the best venues would be the Seven Chiefs Sportsplex, which has figure skating and the floor hockey there. And so, and it's got a lot of seats and a lot of room. Uh, speed skating at the Olympic Oval at the university is another one that I would suggest if you want to come and attend. Those two would be perfect. The other venues, some of them can be a bit small and tight with family and friends in there, but you know, we, we definitely uh, tried to make these games so that people could come support, cheer, the volunteers could be involved. Um, it's important. Uh, Cheryl, for you again, can you talk a little bit about your work with Alberta businesses? As Darby said, it took him a long time to be able to get a job. And now we talk about the Little E uh, Cafe. Uh, you know, that's a wonderful example. How important is it for, for us to really work towards more inclusive businesses in this city and this province and the country and beyond? You know, the, the employment rate for individuals with intellectual disabilities is 25%, but the employment rate for individuals that are Special Olympic athletes with intellectual disabilities is 45%. So I think our legacy from these games is that we can showcase these athletes, mm-hmm. athletes like Darby, and say, give them a chance. You know, look to hire, inclusive hiring. We talk about it all the time. Um, they are fabulous employees. Darby actually volunteered at Canada Sports Hall of Fame years ago. 
He was one of our best. He never called in sick, I have to say. <laughs> right? So, uh, no. Yes. no, he never did. And so I, you know, I, I think we, we're opening people's eyes mm -hmm. to the opportunity. And all we're really doing is showcasing their abilities instead of their, you know, disabilities. Exactly, yeah. Fantastic. And Darby, of course, your long title for these games, the Athlete Ambassador, Team Captain at Special Olympics Canada Winter Games, Calgary 2024. And yes, you've got the hardware and yes. you have a, a huge history of, of competing. But, you know, you've got your official title now. But it must be cool to see all these athletes coming to town do you make some friends you meet new people or you just see some of the old faces how does that work uh how it works is is i've seen a lot of smiling faces it makes me happy and and we have five athlete ambassadors we have five of them Ooh, wow. including me and i love it so very much it makes me happy seeing all the athletes and and, and how excited they are they were cheering loudly last night <laughs> for I their uh, team, especially Quebec was cheering very loudly. <laughs> Alberta was the too. French connection. Yeah. It so, was fun. So uh, you're saying Albertans need to cheer a little louder in, in, a, in order to compete? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You've heard it from Darby. Let's kick the volume up a little yeah, bit, shall we, it's fun. these games? It's fun. These, th th these games are amazing. And to see all, all of our athletes from Alberta makes me very happy and our two floor hockey teams are very good they, they come from Strathcona County and Wetaskiwin okay good and they're both very good we'll be watching for medals from them them yes. then for sure I, I'm hoping for a gold but but I hope all the athletes do well too Fantastic. Perfect Fantastic. from the ambassador. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. What we'd expect. Uh, so much, uh, you know, to look forward to right through till uh, Saturday. And, and we're on the website here, by the way, calgary2024.specialolympics.ca. It's kind of the one-stop shop. Get everything you need, full schedule, full details, and uh, do what you can to get out there. And as Cheryl said, lots of opportunities to support. And yeah. Come see. Get out and have some fun. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. Darby Taylor, Athlete Ambassador, Team Canada, Team Captain at Special Olympics Canada Winter Games, Calgary 2024. Long titles, but we, it's important we say them. Cheryl Bernard, Co-Chair, Special Olympics Canada Winter Games, Calgary 2024. Thanks to you both. Thanks. Dating apps have certainly become a very common way of meeting possible romantic partners, but a lawsuit claims that the apps are driving revenue rather than driving meaningful connections. Joining us to talk about the lawsuit and how dating apps actually impact mental health is Yona Budd, who's a therapist and a performance coach, as well as being host of At Your Best, live on Saturdays at 9 p.m. on QR Calgary. Hi, Yona. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Tell us a little bit, uh, if we don't know, uh, This is I'm not uh, fully sure of the details, so bring us a little bit of info, uh, the, what's behind the lawsuit and the issues with dating apps like Tinder and Hinge. Okay, so uh, I'm a therapist and a coach, so I can't really opine on the legal matter other than to tell you that uh, Match Group, a company called the, the, somebody's a legal action uh, against Match Group to uh, try to basically uh, look at the sites, uh, the dating app sites, and come at them from the position of creating addiction uh, or creating compulsion, creating compulsive users. Um, and, you know, the, the concept is really about 
you know, any there's really, you know, kind of warning signs if there's any kind of warning signs around this kind of behavior. But um, it's 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 at a point now where people uh, there's six different plaintiffs, including the New York State, California, Florida. Um, they're you know, they're they argue that the dating app, uh, the, the company match group is who they're actually uh, suing. Uh, it's designed. It's designed to to transform your users into basically, you know, basically gambling online without the without the the, the financial uh, the financial risk, so to speak. So the the way we look at it from a therapeutic perspective, I treat people all the time that can't get off these dating apps once they start. Um, and the problem is it becomes very compulsive, and it. You know, you're looking for um, you're looking for satisfaction. You're looking for you know an opportunity to be heard. You're looking for recognition, affirmation. So when you don't get that, if you don't get enough swipes, wipes, or whatever to the side, it starts to, to weigh on you. So now your confidence is low. You're feeling a little depressed. You're anxious. So it really creates a a, a whole plethora of mental health challenges um, if you get into these things and just can't handle you know the amount of time you spend on them. Yona, and by the way, speaking with Yona Bud, therapist, performance coach, and host of At Your Best right here on QR Calgary, Saturdays at 9 p.m. Uh, Yona, just to play devil's advocate here, you're yeah. talking about the addictive nature and uh, of these apps, and we're talking about Tinder and Hinge specifically, but can we not look at, you know, all apps having some f- a bit of a, an addictive nature to them in the sense that, you know, you mentioned swiping left and, and keeping looking for, you know, people who are interested in you, but what about looking for likes on Facebook or comments oh. on my instagram mm-hmm. is it not just the same but these yeah. two are being singled out first of all good morning and th- yeah absolutely it's you know yeah 100 percent, right on the money it took the words right out of my mouth you know it's you know i don't get enough likes no, no not people i don't have enough friends uh you know no one's really you know looking at my stuff i'm not getting enough posts i'm not getting enough thumbs up um so we're looking for you know looking for recognition you know the song looking for love in all the wrong places we're looking for recognition often in all the wrong places and this is an external motivation this is an external uh an external um sort of uh, affirmation that we're looking for to somehow make us feel better. And, you know, my feeling has always been, you know, you need to get that feel good feeling from inside, Mm -hmm. not from outside. So when we're relying on, you know, algorithms and stuff like that to make us feel whether, you know, make us feel good about whether we're wanted or needed or liked or attractive, uh, we find ourselves in a lot of, a lot of difficulty because then it's an unrealistic sort of, uh, you know, it's an artificial uh, sense of belonging or not belonging as, as the case may be. Absolutely. Interesting because it's sort of, I guess, it could be considered a bit of a form of bullying and as today is is pink shirt day we can look at it in that sense Uh, talk to us a bit about yona about this new app well i guess it's not a new app it's it's an app called wiz that's being re-added to the app store why is there concern about this one uh, I'm not up to date with Wiz specifically, but um, I know that there's, you know, any of the, the the issue with any ads, any apps that are being launched, that provide a sense of, uh, um, a, you know, where there's an opportunity to score or an opportunity to win or an opportunity to get some form of affirmation, any anything that gives you that kind of uh, that uh, that reward, that's what the word I'm looking for. Anything that provides a reward or not. Uh, provide difficulty. So any of the ones that are coming up, uh, any of these new apps that are out there, whether they're dating apps or whether there's simply, you know, online uh, online opportunities within uh, the current applications that you're looking for more friends, more likes, more followers, and so on. Uh, any of those are should, frankly, be included in in this lawsuit and something we should be looking at very carefully, especially not just with young people, but certainly with with adults who are spending hours and hours and hours on these on these apps of all kinds. 
Um, and frankly, it's not fruitful time, I don't think. Very interesting conversation and timely because the tech isn't going anywhere anytime no. soon, Yona. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Have Thank a great you. day, guys. You too. That's Yona Bud, therapist, performance coach, and host of At Your Best. You can hear that show. That program runs Saturdays at 9 p.m. right here on QR Calgary.